and welcome to Mash Mouth, a podcast covering every single episode of the hit 1970s sitcom, Mash. I'm Vanessa. And I'm Ethan. Ethan, okay, so in this episode today, there is um, some hiding of some sensitive things. We'll get into it, but uh, do you have a memorable time where you like hid something from someone? Okay. So kind of no, I don't have a lot to hide. Uh, I, uh, I guess that's you know, good. I'm not a man of many secrets, as you are well aware. But in my own like neurotic behavior, I am very paranoid about people watching me watch something if I'm not watching it with them. So it doesn't matter if it's a YouTube video or a TV show or whatever. I will like panic pause literally anything I'm watching is if it's like sensitive material. I will literally watch it like a YouTube video about like video games or like cars and like panic hit the pause button as if like the world is ending if anybody sees me watching this. <laughs> Same with like Netflix. If I'm watching like Parks and Rec, I will be like, no, if, you, if you're not watching it with me, I'm pausing it right now. <laughs> so that's kind of hiding. But for like a more physical like hiding thing. For a little bit, I had like a journal that I would like write in occasionally. I'm not a big journalist, but I, I do it occasionally. And when we were moving, my sister like found this journal and like started to put it into a box. But once I realized like what notebook it was, I like turned beet red as if there was like confession to a murder in that, that book. <laughs> and I was like, oh God. And she was like, what's in here? And literally nothing. I've never written anything that would be, like, inappropriate or, like, something that I wouldn't want someone else to read in one of these journals. But I'm like, no, you can't look at it. It's for my eyes only. <laughs> what about you? Do you have any any stories? Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm kind of the same way where I don't, like, have really, like, anything to hide from anybody. But when I was younger, I would do, like, a lot of creative writing. And I would never let, like, I would never let anyone read certain things that I was writing. Like, some things I would, but definitely not my parents, not anybody who, like, really knew me. I would give some things to my friends. But anytime anyone would look over my shoulder when I was writing something... I just like would slam my notebook closed and be like, don't look at it. Don't look at it. Um, I also would always hide like my social media from people. I never wanted people that I knew to follow me on social media for some reason. So I was always super secretive with my Tumblr account back in the day. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no man. one can follow me. No one could be my friend on Facebook. None of that. But now, of course, like, you know, I don't care. But I, it was just such a weird thing as a kid being like, no one can know my social media or my writing notebooks. Such like a goofy yeah. thing. No, I feel you, especially on the, the social media front. It took me a long time to even get on social media to mm -hmm. like have friends around me. Um, <laughs> but I, I especially Tumblr. Tumblr is an embarrassing website. Nobody should follow anyone on that <laughs> website publicly. Yeah, we can just gloss over Tumblr like entirely. Please and thank you. <laughs> So, in this episode, Iron Guts Kelly, when General Iron Guts Kelly visits the camp, he spends the night with Margaret and suddenly dies afterwards, because, of course. So now Hawkeye and Trapper have to get Kelly out of the camp, while Kelly's aide is trying to make it look like he died this, like, insanely glorious death, and, of course, shenanigans. So, Ethan, what did you think about this episode right off the bat? Okay, so, I'm gonna make a bold claim and say, other than the gold episode in season one, this is probably my least favorite episode we watched so far. I was not really about this one. 
This was a very strange episode. I kept saying to you that it was deranged because so much of it is about like parading around this dead body and no one like (laughs) really reacting to it, which is just very, very strange to me. I've never been about like dead body humor. Like I've never (laughs) had an interest in like watching Weekend at Bernie's or anything. And like for me, this is a very 70s, early 80s episode of TV. I feel like a lot of shows were like, what if a guy died and you had to like get him out of a place really quickly. (laughs) So you had to like prop him up, put him in sunglasses and like pretend he's alive. And that just that just isn't for me. It's nothing that's ever made me laugh. (laughs) Yeah, I agree with you. I think I said it in my notes later on, but it was very strange that they were, you know, just shoving this dead body places and we're like, oh, well, he he died. (laughs) It Mm -hmm. was just very strange. I think that uh, shows later on kind of do it better where like somebody passes out and they need to like make it seem like this person's like not knocked out cold. Yeah. I think that's funnier. But like to have a dead body, oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, it's just it was. It was very weird, and the episode, not that it felt disjointed, but it was very much like, okay, so this guy dies, and then there's still half the episode left. I'm like, what are they going to do for the next half of the episode? (laughs) Yeah, the pacing for this one is so strange to me, because when when Iron Guts Kelly shows up, like there isn't an immediate thing with him. Sometimes people show up, and you're like, yeah, okay, this is the plot now. Like, when Sydney shows up the therapist you're like okay so this is an episode like about him Mm -hmm. because he has such a defined distinct character that like whatever is going on you're like okay i'm interested in knowing who this guy is and how he's going to affect the camp but like iron guts kelly wasn't that much of an exciting character that like for the first 10 minutes before he dies i had genuinely no idea what like the conflict was going to be and then he dies And Margaret is like, oh, I need your help, Hawkeye and Trapper. And I was like, that is a very strange leap for this episode to take, but (laughs) but sure. Yeah, it was very strange because um, I guess I kind of get into it a a little bit more. Kelly shows up at the camp, right? And he's like, oh, doing this inspection. And he's got this, you know, hyper patriotism. And Frank is talking to Hawkeye and Trapper and is like, oh, he's like seen more battle and glorious and this, that, and the other thing. Okay, sure. But... I don't know. I I don't know what they were trying to do with his character either, except be like a vessel for plot, I guess, because Mm -hmm. he was not even that unlikable. You know what I mean? Like he wasn't this like hyper military guy and he wasn't like you doctors are stupid and because I'm fighting in battle, I'm better than you and stuff like that. You know what I mean? He had that like old regular army type of behavior a little bit, but not to a point where you're like, oh, I can't stand this guy to when like Trapper is talking about him later on. They're like, oh, he's a he's like basically he's an asshole. And I'm like, was he an asshole? I don't know. It was very it was a very strange character. Yeah. Like to use a better example than Sydney, when Flag shows up, even for the first Mm -hmm. time Flag showed up, you're like, this guy is a character. He is in charge of the episode now. Like whatever this episode is about. It's about him now. And Iron Guts Kelly doesn't have that immediate, like, this guy is a character vibe to him. He was just, like, a guy who would show up at, like, the end of an episode after the conflict was, like, <laughs> resolved, you know? Yeah, be like, yeah. I'm gonna take care of this. Um, or whatever, you know? <laughs> yeah, and I guess, like, I guess it's kind of a good thing, too, of just, like, keep the audience kind of wondering, like, okay, like, where is this going? Where is this going? Right? But... 
I don't know if the audience would have ever kind of guessed that this is where it's going. I don't know. Maybe that's naive of me to say, but... (laughs) No, I I don't think that people would. In fact, because I am people, and I did not (laughs) predict where this was going, uh, having no memory of ever seeing this episode, even though I know I have. I've seen up to season three. This was a total blind spot for me. I thought it was going to be more about him, like, trying to flirt and date Margaret while trying to work around Frank, you know? If that was going to be the conflict of, like, Margaret has to keep her affair secret from her other affair. (laughs) But then... It's literally they look at each other and they're like, "Okay, so we're we're going to we're going to hang out." And then you hear Margaret like panicking and waking Hawkeye and Trapper up. It's so immediate. It's it's mm-hmm. very strange. Yeah, and to go back a little bit, like I do remember this episode. I think I told you going into it. I thought this was a different episode than it actually turned out to be, but I do recall this episode. Like, you get this discussion in the OR when Kelly is kind of, like, being paraded around the camp. Like, oh, here, here's Kelly. Like, he's inspecting and this and the other thing. Um, and Hawkeye and Trapper are kind of, like, making quips at him. But before that, they were discussing, like, these kids being really young and how, oh, like, us at this age, like, we would have never been fighting in a war. We didn't know, like, if we wanted to even be doctors or firefighters. Like, you know, kid stuff, whatever. And then you have this general come into the OR with literally like his scrub cap on had the three stars of his being a general. And it was very subtle but obvious commentary, like almost at the same time that like, oh, this guy cares about, you know, war and battle and stuff like that. And Mm -hmm. like, look how terrible this stuff that they have to deal with the fallout is. And that's like, you know, typical kind of mash stuff. So that's why I thought the episode was kind of going in that direction of just like, hey, Hawkeye and Trapper are rebutting this high-profile military general who's, like, leading these kids into battle, and then they're having to deal with, like, you know, them dying or working on them and stuff like that. But yeah, it didn't turn out that way, of course. (laughs) He even mentions in the officer's club before he meets Margaret, he he says to Henry that, like, he needs the sound of gunfire to feel Mm -hmm. relaxed, which... Buddy, that is that's not good for your mental health, my my dude. If, <laughs> yeah, if that I'd is your so. stasis calm, uh get some therapy, my guy. <laughs> but we should get more into I guess his post death, unless you want to talk about something specifically with Margaret. No, I think that it was very much just like typical Margaret behavior of just, oh, there's a general and he's, you know, famous and high up, like I'm attracted to him, stuff like that. I thought it was interesting that uh, the canned audience, when Margaret was saying something to General Kelly, the audience went, ooh, like, and I I don't think that we've (laughs) heard that up until this point or like probably mostly in the show, like you don't hear that. It's just canned laughter. So I thought that that was pretty funny. That's pretty great. I have to say, I think it's so funny that literally every general that comes in his camp just automatically is like, I want to sleep with Margaret. Like, not calling (laughs) Margaret, like, not attractive or whatever, but they're all like, I I need to do that right now. And she's always like, yeah, okay. It's just always (laughs) so strange to me that it's so immediate, too. They don't even, like, have a conversation about it. They're just like, yeah, okay, let's let's go hang out. It's so funny that you say that because, like, to me, that's, like, so sad. (laughs) Because to me, like, I don't know. This is why I like the evolution of Margaret's character a little bit more. 
because I feel like you get that a little bit less in the later seasons, but that's still like present in the later seasons. And I just, I hate the idea that like, okay, we're going to use the only female character as like the vessel for, you know, every sexual conflict in the camp. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I kind of like hate that she's relegated to that, you know, sex object kind of thing. But also, like, it is funny that it's just so, ah, yes, woman, sex. Like, that's it. <laughs> Blonde woman, hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like one of those things, right, where you can tell that they want to use Margaret, like, as a character to move stuff along. But because they're they're mostly written by men in the 70s with very few episodes written by women so far, they're like, what can she do? And also what's established for this character in the book and the movie. And the one thing that like Margaret has going on for her when she's like established is the affair with Frank. So they're like, what if she just has an affair with like literally anyone in uniform who like <laughs> comes by? <laughs> Yeah, no, exactly. Like, that's exactly it. It's just like, okay, like, she is the character for having affairs and, like, having sex. And that's just who she is. And you know what? Like, it is fun because (laughs) I like that this is her character because, like, you know, okay, sure, whatever. But I don't like that it's, like, the only female lead character like if we had like a couple other women characters in the show it would be like oh okay like that's just like how margaret's character is but being as she's the only one it's like oh can we like you know develop her a little bit you know (laughs) i i feel you this is a little tangential but brooklyn 99 the creators of that show talk about it that they have two uh latina women on that show and having Mm -hmm. two latina women freed them to kind of do whatever they wanted with these characters because it wasn't like they had to represent all of Latina women with Mm -hmm. one character by having two very distinct personalities from this very distinct demographic you're like okay they're people not an archetype i forget if this was uh i was reading this when i was reading about mash or if i read this somewhere else but i remember reading about shows in the 70s and there was just like oh there's like this character and then there's this character and then there's the woman character and i might have even said this before on this podcast too of just like oh yeah like women had to be this one thing and they had to be like very one-dimensional idea of women because there could only be like one woman character in the mess of all men characters or male characters and yeah i think that this is just kind of like an example of that not this Mm -hmm. entirely this like crazy silly episode but like what we're talking about here of just like oh margaret is the woman character women have affair with man okay good (laughs) women have affair with man and then he dies and then we're not really gonna (laughs) deal with how that feels for her I think that like, okay, so I guess this is jumping, like, I I don't want to jump ahead a little bit while we're on this topic of Margaret too, because I thought Loretta Switz acting in this was actually so amazing too. Like she was so good in um when she was nervous about uh coming to Hawkeye and Trapper for the reveal that General Kelly died. And also in this one scene afterwards with Frank, 
she really sold it for me of just being like nervous and not knowing what to say and wanting to keep this like major thing that happened from Frank. I thought it was just really good acting on her part. Yeah, I can't wait for her to get like more to do like you keep talking about because I do as this show's gone on and we've uh, talked about these characters more. I'm like, oh, I really kind of like Loretta Swit as a performer. But mm-hmm. so far, I don't really enjoy the character Margaret. I want that performance to meet the material more. Because even after her little freak out, it's like, okay, we're, we're kind of done with the, the Margaret end of it once <laughs> he's outside of her tent. There's mm-hmm. a little bit of it. There's like some conflict with Frank. But it's more about Frank being an idiot than her like being affected by this. And I want I want that stronger material for her. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. I think that um you'll not be disappointed when we get yes. to episodes where yes, she's a little so bit like, more fleshed out. So speaking of Loretta Swit's acting, we had said this, but the scene where she runs into Hawkeye and Trapper's 10 is just like, I need your help. I need your help. And then it's just revealed that this guy is just dead. And Hawkeye and Trapper just don't care. They're just like, well, that sucks. (laughs) (laughs) This is a time where they definitely take the kind of creative license of them being doctors and like used to people dying Mm -hmm. to the extreme. Because I don't care if I'm a doctor. If like a man is dead in a tent, I would have a little bit more bedside manner about it and be like, (laughs) oh my God. But they're like, well, that happens every other Tuesday. Come on, let's just get him out of here. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I do, I do find their their absolute nonchalantness about this whole scenario to be funny in a weirdly dark way. It is because they're they're just like, well, because this is this is where I had like a little bit of a not an issue with the episode, but just like where it just wasn't connecting for me. Because they seemed very much just like in the OR scene where they were talking to him and they were kind of making those quips of just like, hey, you cause these people to need to be operated on, basically. Hawkeye and Trapper seemed to dislike him with good reason, but he wasn't established as this like douchey character. So it didn't Mm. really like hit the same that they were so uncaring and cold about him dying because they clearly didn't like him but it didn't come off that it was like justified almost you know what i mean it was very it was very strange yeah i i took it more as they're just used to it but i understand Mm -hmm. where you're coming from as well they didn't like him so they didn't really care that he's dead which Mm -hmm. is still like a little extreme (laughs) like if you meet someone and you're like that guy's kind of a jerk the the next three hours the man dies you're still gonna be like excuse me this was a man (laughs) yeah i think that um it would have been like a little bit better if we had just had maybe one more scene with general kelly kind of like being a jerk or whatever the case was and then it would have like i don't know just hit better i think personally yeah and they they very quickly say like oh he died of this like some sort of heart failure and Mm -hmm. then Frank shows up at Margaret's cabin wanting to talk with her, apparently sincerely wanting to have a conversation with her. (laughs) Good for Frank, not just thinking physically for once. Um, (laughs) So they have to think very quickly. And I really enjoyed the fact that their cover-up scenario is that for no good reason, Hawkeye and Trapper are just playing poker like in the back (laughs) of Margaret's tent or cards or whatever. And Margaret's just like, oh, yeah, they're here. Don't worry about it. 
And Frank <laughs> is like, that doesn't make any sense. But they they like push him off so well that like this scene is probably my favorite scene in the episode. Just <laughs> them playing poker and then having like a legitimate argument about the card game was like really funny in the background of this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a uh, that was very funny. And then right after that when it's revealed i guess that oh they shoved general kelly's body in margaret's like closet that was that's where we were both like wow this is kind of weird like <laughs> to be just horrific. playing with a dead body <laughs> exactly i said this earlier but like yeah any any kind of this prop comedy with dead bodies i'm always just like i can never get past the fact that this is a a corpse that we're making comedy out of if it's like a passed out <laughs> drunk guy, it's always more funny to me. But the fact that this is a dead man and they're like parading <laughs> him around, I'm like, oh lord, I, I can't, I can't deal with that. Yeah, it was um a lot, <laughs> but I did like afterwards. So. Hawkeye and Trapper, you know, get Kelly out of Margaret's tent and they bring him to the VIP tent where his aide is. And the aide immediately is just like, no, I'm not going to have him die in some nurse's tent. Like he's going to die like how he wanted to die in like blazing glory on the battlefield. And Hawkeye and Trapper are like, we're not going to sign off on that. Like there's no mm -hmm. way we're signing off on that. And I feel like, again, I'll say it again. This is where the episode felt like a little lacking to me. It's just like the conflict was just around this guy dying. But then like the other conflicts just didn't hit. Like I thought this might turn into more of like a conflict between the colonel who was the aide and Hawkeye and Trapper being like, no, we're doctors. We're not like this moral dilemma between like patriotism and doctors. You know what I mean? That we've seen before. But it just felt like I said, it just kind of fell flat for me. Yeah, I get you. Because what this aide originally wants them to do is just sign his death certificate saying he died in battle. And they're like, we cannot do that. We took the Hippocratic Oath and by law, like we cannot say that like something happened when it didn't happen. And this aide is like, well, I'll court martial you. And they being completely in the right without any comedy at all are like, legally, we're in the right here. And like, <laughs> you could take us to court about that. And he's like, fine. Can you just put the body in an ambulance? And that's where their conflict with him ends. And then yeah. it kind of becomes a sitcom about him trying to rig circumstance <laughs> to make it look like he died in battle. I did think that it was um, interesting, too, that the hypocrisy of the situation was kind of pretty hypocrisy, explicit. Like the Hippocratic Oath. No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So I did think the hypocrisy of the situation was pretty explicit because Trapper does say like, hey, we're not doing this because first of all, as doctors, we can. And also like, we're not going to help you make this guy seem like he died on the battlefield because it's disrespectful to all the people who did. And I think this like kind of harkens back to what they were talking about in the OR of just like, yeah, we don't like this guy because, you know, he is going to like have this like blazing glory, you know, funeral and stuff like that. Oh, he died on the battlefield like he always wanted. And meanwhile, like who knows about all of the men that 
people like General Kelly ordered to go onto the battlefield and die and stuff like that. So I think that that was pretty interesting of the episode. I also thought that when the aide said, I appeal to your sense of patriotism, your sense of fair play, and Hawkeye said, well, make up your mind. I was like, oh my God, this episode is like so... I liked this episode for this reason because I felt yeah. it was so like scathing in its uh, commentary in this sense. It was very like rigid. Yeah, they're, they're pretty upfront about making the military characters in this one the villains. Like this, this aide is doing a bad thing by trying to pretend like the general who died while having an affair with a nurse seemed like he had a more meaningful death. And he wanted to, like, perjure, I don't know if that's the correct legal term, but he wanted to make these these doctors, like, lie under legal circumstance. So, like, it's all pretty explicit uh, critique of the military in this such goofy, strange episode. I also have to shout out just the fact that they come into this tent with this aide, and he's shaving his head for, like, <laughs> no reason. Like, he just has shaving cream on his head. I guess to look funny because there's, I don't know why they had him doing that. Yeah, I don't know either. I guess like to cut down on how terrible <laughs> it is to just walk in two guys with a dead body and just plop him down on the bed and be like, he dead and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> we need some white foam on that man's head to, to lay the blow. <laughs> I also thought it was hysterical when uh, the aide wakes up Radar and Radar just like full on screams, like he screeches. <laughs> <laughs> it's very funny. <laughs> I mean, I would do that too. If I was woken up on a military base, I'd be like, oh God, have they, have they come for me? <laughs> um, so I understand Radar there. And this aide is like, that's not a teddy bear, is it? And he's like, well, we can't have the real kind on a military. It was, it was a cute little exchange <laughs> from Radar there. I love his teddy bear. I love he's getting more play with it this season. <laughs> yeah, it's always so good to see the teddy bear. Um, This is in my notes. I said, what a ridiculous turn of events this episode is. Because, like you said, the aide is like, hey, can you at least just put him on an ambulance? I'll take care of everything else. And Hawkeye and Trapper were like, eh, I guess so. So they do. Mm -hmm. And then it turns out it's like an ambulance that they're transporting sex workers in. And that's it. <laughs> like, then the body goes missing. <laughs> okay, and well, you're missing a whole whole section of this this guy, this aide, trying to find a battle for... Oh, yeah, uh, that's to, true. ...to throw the body onto and make it look like he died there, which is insane. <laughs> and it's like, goes on for so long. Like, this is basically, like, the, the remaining conflict of the episode is this random guy trying to fake the death of this man. And Hawkeye and Trapper don't really have anything to do with it. They're just kind of in the background. <laughs> yeah, they're just watching it all happen. They're just like, all right. And then they go put the body on the ambulance. It turns out to be the wrong ambulance. And they're just like, okay, we're done here. And like... <laughs> Yeah, this is another this is another abrupt ending. Yeah, because then it turns out, you know, they find out it's the wrong ambulance. So, like, you know, the the ambulance driver ended up like making a wrong turn or whatever into enemy territory or some something along those lines. I honestly don't know because I I think I took a break at this point. I was like, I need some water. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> and then they're like, Oh yeah, but General Kelly's dead. And they're like, Okay. And then Henry comes and he's just like, Huh. <laughs> 
All right. Well, General Kelly's dead. That's a uh, that's kind of kooky. <laughs> <laughs> that is that's not exactly an accurate way to summarize the events, but it is that is how it feels in spirit. <laughs> I mean, that's like how it happened, isn't it? Like Henry is on the phone with the people who ha- were in the ambulance, and he's just like, "Oh yeah," and the general's dead. Wait a minute, the general's the dead. General's that's dead? crazy. <laughs> and yeah, it's just like and. That's it. Like, I mean, <laughs> this is such a such a strange episode because uh, even this ambulance thing, they set up by like having some rowdy party boys just be like, yo, Hawkeye Trapper, want to come party with us with all these, uh, I guess, like sex worker women. And they're like, no. And also a general's here. <laughs> so you better be on your best behavior because we might have to like arrest you. And they're like, all right, cool. And then for, like, no good reason, (laughs) they charter this ambulance like it's a party bus and, like, (laughs) chart them off. And meanwhile, there is a dead body in the back. Like, they can see it. It was not hidden. And they take it anyway. So, and it's like, oh, by the way, this ambulance crashed. So this aid guy will have his his glory that he wants to give uh general kelly he's gonna set up his own battle uh on some yeah. random site with diarrhea and he's just gonna make <laughs> it look like there was a giant fight and that he like died that way instead of making it look like he died in an ambulance with a bunch of sex workers <laughs> such and- a strange episode <laughs> <laughs> and that was when henry was just like hey guys this is kind of weird. And that was like the extent of Henry's like investigating into this whole situation. He's basically like, I don't know what's happening. I don't want to know. And then the episode kind of ends after that. Like, that's it. Yeah. And my thinking was if they put half as much effort into peace talks as this one guy did into making sure this general died a glorious army death. The war would have ended in like six months time because this was this was strong effort on this colonel's part. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, he goes wild with it. This man is a real fraud. Like he, he's a delight. <laughs> I, what, a, it was, what a weird episode. I did not realize yeah. how like weird this episode is. And tell trying to describe it into a microphone. Uh, like, even the fact that he fakes a battle is, like, insane. Just happen in the background. Yeah, that is um wild. Like, I didn't actually think about that until now. That, oh, like, he was literally, like, faking blowing stuff up. Because he said, oh, yeah, rockets. Like, get me plenty of rockets. And it's just like, rockets? What? <laughs> like, this was... This was humorous in a way that talking about it made it more humorous (laughs) yeah definitely this is another one where larry gelbart has like writing credit on it and i've noticed that anytime he has writing credit it's a real 50 50 shot of you're either getting like a thoughtful exploration of like the human trauma of war via comedy or you're getting some just wacky nonsense and you're gonna have to (laughs) roll with it well remember when larry gelbart said in the 30th anniversary special he was like oh like we took a lot of transcripts and stuff from you know the actual korean war and like accounts of stories and whatnot and i can't help but wonder every time he writes an episode whether this is like based (laughs) on real events (laughs) do we really think a general died in nurse's tent they just set up a battle for him to die in? I doubt it, but who knows? <laughs> hey, man. 
stranger things have happened i i would not be surprised if yeah, that was like I mean, some scandal i think that we would be ignorant not to think that that somehow happened in some war at some point in time <laughs> okay okay so like we said the episode's like over at this point so <laughs> to bring it back to grounded territory um i do have some trivia about the two guest stars in this um in this episode. So James Gregory played uh, General Iron Guts Kelly. Gregory was from New York City, and before he was an actor, he worked as a stockbroker for a while and um, apparently left the financial business after the 1929 stock market crash. I can't super find sources that back that up, but I do believe this to be true because it sounds cool. <laughs> the rule of cool. <laughs> the rule of cool. Gregory served in the Navy and the Marines during World War II. He got his start on Broadway and worked several Broadway shows throughout the 30s, 40s, and 50s before switching to TV and movie acting. Gregory guest starred on many TV shows where he played someone in the Army or law enforcement, which makes sense because, I mean, he was pretty good as, you know, Iron Guts Kelly. Like, I liked him in this role. It was good. He's got the look. He does. And the sound of his voice, too. Like, I know we didn't talk about this originally, but, like, I couldn't understand a word he was saying in that first scene that he had (laughs) with Henry. I was like, what is he saying? It was very funny. That is the most, like, military-sounding man I think we've had for sure he's probably best known for his recurring role in barney miller which was one of his last roles before he retired from acting and gregory passed away at the age of 90 in 2002 okay 2002 pretty good run we love 90 year olds on this show (laughs) so i do actually have trivia for the actor who played colonel wartman his name was keen I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. His name is spelled differently in different places. But as far as I know, his name is Keen Curtis. And he has a very, it's very interesting because he has a very similar career to James Gregory, actually. So Curtis was born in Utah and served for three years in the Navy during World War II. He made appearances in movies such as Rabbit Test, IQ, and Heaven Can Wait. He had several guest roles in TV shows throughout the 70s, 80s, and 90s, including a recurring role on Cheers. He was also in Sanford and Sons, The Jefferson's Coach, and Trapper John M.D. They all, wow. I, we need <laughs> they to all see are. Trapper John M.D. Apparently it is the extended universe of MASH. <laughs> if anyone has a way to access Trapper John M.D., please let us know. <laughs> Reach out to us. This is important. Yes, and uh, we'll, we'll thank you. Curtis also had a very extensive theater career. He won a Tony Award in 1971 for his, for his performance in The Rothschilds. He also performed in Annie, The Cherry Orchard, Patriot for Me, and La Cage of Foles, which you'll know it as The Birdcage. That's the uh, play yeah, that The Birdcage is based on. Yeah, I thought that was so cool. Curtis passed away in 2002, also at the age of 79. Well, he was a lot younger than uh, Iron Guts Kelly. That's, uh, that's mm-hmm. a little surprising. Yeah, I was uh, I was surprised at that too, but I thought it was uh, I thought it was kind of interesting that they had like you know theater careers or both in the Navy, um, and they both passed away in two thousand two. Like I thought that that was you know kind of just a weird coincidence. Yeah. All right. What are your favorite lines from this episode? So this episode doesn't have a ton of lines that I was like amazing, but I do have to to shout out one very strange one when they say that the ambulance crashed and that general kelly is dead hawkeye very offhandedly and very like dismissively says i'm surprised one of the girls didn't break his fall that was like so like morbid (laughs) that was him being done with this entire situation 
I thought it was <laughs> kind of insane for him to say that. Yeah, I have to disagree with you, actually. I think that there were a lot of great, like, very quick one-liners, which I thought were amazing in this episode. So I really like this one line <laughs> where, again, Hawkeye, after he's telling General Kelly's aide that General Kelly passed away, he said, let's just say he died here. He VIP'd away. And I was like, that was amazing. <laughs> when Margaret brings Hawkeye and Trapper into uh, her tent to, you know, help her in the situation that she's in, she goes, nothing like this has ever happened to me before. And I think Hawkeye says, I'm sure it's a first for him, too. <laughs> That's a good dead joke. That is a quality. <laughs> this man has died and I'm going to be very flippant about it. And I lied before. I have to shout out one more line that I thought was amazing from Hawkeye when this aide says, the general cannot be dead. And Hawkeye looks at Trapper and says, we've studied dead. We know dead. This man is dead. <laughs> Those are good. Those are good. I, yeah, I liked the humor in this episode because it was like, it was my favorite kind of mash humor where it just feels like they're just actually saying these lines that they're not written. You know what I mean? And that's that's always the kind of humor that I like the most from yeah. this show. Yeah, I, I feel you. I love the casualness. So, Ethan, controversy time. What is your martini rating for this episode? Okay. I uh, I might have to go pretty low. Um, <laughs> I might honestly give this a two out of five martinis. This was Damn. not one of my favorite episodes, and I think it's below average. Like, you figure 2.5 is your average middle of the road. This is a little below that, I have to admit. I thought it was a little bit higher. I went 2.5 just because I liked the commentary of the general a little bit more than I kind of expressed in this episode. But also, I did think that the humor was like pretty good in this episode, even though it was just like, it was definitely a weird episode, not my favorite for sure. But yeah, I would say like 2, 2.5, definitely, definitely in that range. An after dinner drink, if you will. <laughs> An after dinner drink. <laughs> Yeah, I guess uh, when it's below 2.5, it just becomes like bitter tasting. You don't even get drunk. <laughs> yeah, it's just like it's what you put on to relax, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. Okay, so just to wrap up, we'd like to give thanks to Jacob Virabalco for being our technical consultant, Melissa, my sister for cover art, and of course our listeners. Thank you so much. Our music, social media, and contacts for the show are linked in the description, as always. And join us next week for Season 3, Episode 5, OR. But until then, stay true to the Hippocratic Oath. Goodbye, farewell, and amen. Bye, everyone. <laughs>